Uh, I am grateful to be here again uh, among you and with you, uh, especially in this time uh, after Easter. Uh, and when Pastor Jenny called me and said, we have a theme which is after the resurrection or resurrection life. Uh, and I said, I just enjoy themes so much uh, <laughs> that I am enjoying to do this. And then, so we look at this passage because there is a presumption that after Easter, because we're the church, we think of Easter, we have this big service and this amazing music and this fantastic word, and we say all things are new, but that's not how they experienced it then. They experienced after the resurrection, after even the upper room. The thing that is really interesting is that after everything that Jesus did, politically, socially, all he did was make them more outsiders. I know, I should have a better opening line than that. But that is what he did. But faith sometimes is not. Out of all the power and all the possibilities in faith, it sometimes makes one feel just more outside of things. Sometimes more the brunt of jokes. Sometimes more the person that is out of step. And so I said to Pastor Jenny, what I really want to preach on, if I have to, for the title, would be what do you do when the old no longer works? And the new has not yet arrived. It is in that place that we exist. And it is that place that we have to find life and, and liberty. And, and some of us may feel that way because we are people of faith. Being people of faith solves a lot of issues, but it creates a lot more. Think about this. Imagine every time I was at Stanford and every time that I had to do the funeral of a young man and a young woman, I would always start off with saying, as hard as it is for people of no faith to be here, imagine how much worse it is for those of us who have faith because we believe God could have done something other. To believe that there is a God in the universe, to believe that there is a faith, to believe there is a morality, to believe that there is a way that things ought to be done can sometimes be difficult. And so what do you do when the old no longer works? When you have stepped into this dimension of faith, your identity has changed. This is why I had you read the Nebuchadnezzar passage or the Daniel passage. It wasn't just to pick on you, Finn. There was a reason why. The reason why is because these three people, and they're young men, perfect, tight casting, young men, who, were, who literally had their identity changed because of nothing that they did. They literally were a part in, of, a, of, a, of a nation that got overtaken and then they got ripped from their culture and they were put in this new land. And when they were put in this new land, they didn't know what to do. Things had changed. They were still the same people, but suddenly people regarded them differently. Suddenly, who they were and what they did was different. And yet they were the same people. There are those of us who experience that in America right now. What is going on? What a strange place we live in. Nothing really changed, but then everything changed. Things that used to be easy have become hard. Conversations that used to be, yes, contentious, has now become life and death. What has changed? The old no longer works. 
faith, which used to be life-giving and wonderful. Now you come in the room and you look and say, do I tell them I'm a Christian? Or do I hide it? Oh, we know then how the three Hebrew boys felt out of context, out of place, and yet have an identity that could, in fact, change them and change everyone around them. But be very clear before we look, this is not people who thought of themselves as victim because what I like about the three Hebrew boys is that they did not deny the power of who they were just because they didn't fit in. Isn't that amazing? Just because you're not the majority, just because people are not like you, you don't then try to fit in. You just decide to find out where I fit in this place. It is the danger. It is the danger of faith. It is the danger of those of us who are in transition. It is the danger of those of us who live in this context to try and simply say, ah, it's not important. Or hide. But these three Hebrew boys, they said, no, who we are is who we are. How do we fit in? And what do we do? And so it came up that there was a problem. The problem is their difference began to be notice. <laughs> you ever notice that? How if you're a person of faith or you're a person that is a little different, you can try to hide as long as you want. And then all of a sudden, before you know it, somebody goes, hey, or just let them have a conversation about religion. And let them find out that you had something to do with the church and suddenly you become the authority. Yeah, what does God think of that? Or, don't you go to church? Aren't you just like the folks who are oppressing so-and-so and oppressing somebody else? Aren't you white? That must be privilege. Somehow you become the person because you are different, that you are noticed. And what do you do? They looked and said, not only will I own my difference, I'll show you the power and the grace of difference. Now, at this point, somebody's going to look and say, you are a recovering evangelical, aren't you? I guess I am. <laughs> but the reality is, if faith is indeed reality, it will not only make us different, but there is something in it that other people might find interesting. It is at this point in the life of the resurrection that we have to live the resurrection. We have to say to someone, no, really, the God we serve believes that all people are created equal. The God we serve actually believes that there is in each of us a potential. Or how about this one? The God who is a Christian God is not saying you have to believe in me, but that I believe in you. Those are profound messages, and if we run away from them, we take the world away from what's important. Our identity, our difference is a blessing. It's not a curse. And it must be lived into, not run away from it. And so the three Hebrew boys said, look, fine, let me eat the way I eat. You eat the way you eat. And we'll see what happens. I love that statement because it is not judgmental. It is not saying you, do, you guys do it wrong. 
It says, let me be who I am. You are who you are. And then let's have a dialogue about how is it working for us. See, this is what really living into your faith is. It's not proclaiming that this is one way and the only way. It is not standing up bombastically telling people, oh, only the way I believe is it. It is simply saying, I will do me. I will love the way that God calls me to love. And I will suspect the way you do you. And let's live together and see if something different will emerge. I know. That's not what is the popular thing to say nowadays. I know there is within evangelicalism the idea of to convert folks. I know there is in the idea of progressivism, ah, to leave them alone and not proclaim your faith full-throatedly. But there is in the context of scripture, just do you. Just be who God called you to be. And note what happens. Now somebody's here listening in this sermon, and it's the last part, I'm almost through. Saying, eh, people don't care about that too much. Why is this, 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 this scripture is not that important. This message about being different, the old no longer, did you notice the phrase that I said, the old no longer works. If we were sitting in a world where everything was working clockwise, that was running like a clock, it wouldn't matter. If in point of fact the government was working and there was never an issue, and all families were happy, and everybody loved everybody, <laughs> then you know what? It wouldn't matter. But there is a desperate reality among all people are yearning in the very fabric of creation now saying, the old no longer works. What do you do? You live as though the new is in you. And together we discover what tomorrow will bring. We do not, tomorrow does not come to us. We step into tomorrow by the way in which we live today. I don't know what's going to work. Perhaps 10 years from now, I'll be somewhere sitting in Nevada with virtual reality and preaching the sermon and never have to get in a car and drive here. But I'll still be preaching a sermon. Perhaps 10 years from now and watch the women happy about this. You can have childbirth with no pains. Ooh, that is utopia. You have childbirth with no pain, but you will still be a mother and you'll still have to brood about children. There are certain universal realities that people want to feel what and how do we do this? And there is a God that cares, and there is a recommendation. So at the end of the time, they look better, they felt better, and if you look in the text, here's what I love about that text. It does not say that Nebuchadnezzar or his palace changed the way they ate. They just gave them permission to be who they were. So this is not two cultures clashing. This is cultures in collaboration. 
and becoming something new. If we are to live, if we are to survive, we will have to leave the hierarchical understanding of people in contention and move as a people who are in relationship and collaboration. So I would ask in this place, in this day, with people of faith, that we full-throatedly live our faith. We say to people, we don't have it all figured out. Unless you do, at which point I want to talk to you after the service. <laughs> but if you are like me, you don't have it all figured out. All I can do is live what I know, what's working for me, what God has encountered in me, and I want to see what's in you. And together, the new will arrive when we step together into the future. So if someone looks at you again and says, what do you do when the old no longer work? And the new hasn't arrived. You said you be who you are, and together we will become who we're supposed to be. The word of the Lord.